I went online. I mean, I would probably say I've been asked a majority of these questions from buyers, from sellers, and I thought that it was important to kind of compile 21 of the most common questions that I've gotten. <laughs> Gucci. All good. <clears throat> hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Closing with Corey podcast. Um, this week, we are kind of switching things up a little bit. Um, I actually realized today on the way here that the the name of this podcast is going to be 21 Questions. And my OCD is kick, kicking in a little bit because it's episode 19. It probably would have made a lot more sense to do it for episode 21. But it is what it is. I'm not going to focus on that too much. Uh, a lot of the times I'm in here and I feel absolutely crazy because it's like I'm talking to myself. So I appreciate I have Ben here with me um, who does all of my podcasts. He's going to be asking me some questions. So basically what I did was I went online. I mean, I would probably say I've been asked a majority of these questions from buyers, from sellers. And I thought that it was important to kind of compile 21 of the most common questions that I've gotten, uh, whether it's on listing appointments, whether it's on buyer consultations, uh, just to be able to supply that information to prospective buyers or sellers who are possibly looking to have that conversation and just to be able to have some good information put out there anyway, which I think that would be good for a lot of different people. So what I did was I went online, I did some research as far as the most common questions that are asked to real estate agents on the buying side, on the selling side. And most of these questions on here I've been asked, whether it was at a listing presentation or a listing appointment or whether it was for a buyer consultation. And I figured it would be great to compile all of that information onto one sheet of 21 questions and to be able to just supply that information to whoever may find it useful. So again, I have Ben here who does all of my podcasts with me, um, so I won't just be talking to myself. It's going to be fun having someone ask me these questions. You know, I've looked through them. I didn't want to be too prepared or have anything too scripted for these conversations uh, or for these questions, I should say. So some of them are very simple answers and some of them I'll kind of go into a little bit, but I'm going to answer them as if it was a buyer asking me um, at a consultation or for a listing um, appointment for a seller. So Ben, take it away from me, my friend. All right, let's get started. Uh, what are the most effective ways to advertise real estate properties, prospective buyers? Um, this one, obviously on the selling side, the most important thing and the most effective thing for advertisement comes into pictures. When it comes down to pictures for a new listing, it's literally, I use the analogy that it's like a dating app. So if you go on onto a dating app these days, and if you are starting to look through pictures, that's the first thing that your eye is going to be drawn to. And you're going to start swiping either left, swiping right, however the hell they work these days. But mainly the pictures and the presentation onto the market and that first impression is the most important thing on how to advertise a property because that's going to hopefully get them to either reach out to their agent or to reach out to the listing agent for more information. And then all you are trying to do is to utilize that advertisement through the, the, the pictures and through um, any other means of, of video to be able to get them through the door to have a showing. What information do you think is the most important when you're creating a new listing on the MLS? MLS-wise is great because the MLS has all of the information that a buyer is going to have questions on. So obviously things like the listing price is going to be important, the bedrooms, the bathrooms, the style of the home. 
What a lot of people don't realize is that you want to create the MLS that is going to be received the best by buyers. So a lot of these buyers are actually on automated systems where their agent that they're working with is actually sending them properties. So you want to make it as broad and as encompassing as possible to be able to reach out to the most amount of buyers possible. You want to be able to have enough information where you are advertising and you are getting in front of the right buyers and enough information also as well too that there could be potential buyers in and around that price range that it could uh, appeal to basically. And this is just for me. What does the MLS stand for? Multiple listing service. So, uh, or, or multiple listing system depends on whatever it is. So the MLS in New Jersey, there's, I want to say six of them. There's Garden State MLS, there's Central Jersey MLS, Middlesex. So depending on where you are in New Jersey will depend on what MLS you're technically being listed to. When you listen onto the MLS, that's where Zillow picks up the listing. That's where Realtor.com, Trulia. So the MLS is like the like the first line of defense, and then it gets shot out to all these other companies. Yeah, yeah. What did you do to prepare properties for open house events? Open houses um, are fun. You are entertaining as many people as possible. After the COVID times, where it was like either one or two groups at a time, and it's back to, to the to the time to where you can have multiple groups in there. Um, in preparation, you want to have that house look as close to the pictures as possible. So you go through on the day before, you do another declutter, you do another deep cleaning, you make sure that the house smells good. Listen, there's an old tale that you're supposed to bake cookies before an open house to have like the smell of baked cookies and stuff. As long as the house smells good and doesn't smell bad, I think that you're going to be in, in good shape. But you want to make sure that the house, again, looks as close to the pictures as possible because the last thing that you want to have these buyers say is like, wow, like this place looks nothing like it did online. Yeah, I'd buy a cookie smelling house for sure. I say this respectfully. The older generation, that's like, that was like one of those things where it's like bake, you know, bake cookies before your showing starts. And, and I'm like, listen, sure. If you want to, <laughs> if you want, if you want to bake cookies, be my guest. What training and experience do you have that qualifies you as a real estate agent? In-person training is, I think, the key to success in this business. Obviously, um, any real estate agent every two years, they have to do um, their continual continuing education, all that type of stuff. That's great to be able to, you know, know different laws and and, and know all of like the. Um, the internal um, information that you need to know as an agent in real estate to be able to practice it to the best of your ability and, and to make sure that you're doing right by your clients. But the in-person experiences that I've had with clients and with buyers and with sellers, and I think there's some questions coming up that will kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, that's where every agent that I know um, that is, is, is a successful agent, that's kind of where they're above a, a lot of the competition just because of their experience with people, which is going to allow them to be so knowledgeable on how to handle those experiences with, with other uh, uh, buyers, with other agents, with other, other sellers as they kind of come up a little bit more in the future. What's your process for organizing and prioritizing your appointments to ensure you consistently arrive prepared and on time to client meetings and showings? The appointment thing is always fun because I could have three appointments in a day, or I can have 33 appointments in a day. And um, that, that's a little bit of exaggeration. But the, the main thing is, is that I make this joke a lot that if there's one client that is 10 minutes behind, I could be as prepared as possible for all 15 appointments, and it's going to back everything up. Um, 
So in preparation, you try to leave as much time as possible uh, in between showings. After after one set of showings, I know how long my buyers are going to need in showings, whether it's going to be their 15-minute buyers to where they get there and they're like, okay, let me check this out, check this out, check you know that out. They may be 45-minute buyers where they are a little bit slower. They, they, they're asking more questions, which I'm totally fine for. Or they may be five-minute buyers to where they pull up and they're like, I could already tell you I'm not going to like this. Let's just go to the next one. Or I can already tell you this is the one, and then they, they're in and out in five minutes. So depending on the clients, depending on the if it's a listing appointment, if it's a showing situation, the time frame in between, you have to calculate that all into, uh, into effect before you go in to do those. And outside of that too is that in – preparation for those appointments i try to have the seller's disclosure available so if they have questions as far as like what's the age of the roof what's the age of this what's the age of that that's going to be ready to go i try to have if i'm in an area that i'm not too familiar in i'll be able to look the night before as far as some of the comps so then this way i'm at least knowledgeable enough to be like hey the house down the street same type of layout sold for this amount of you know just so you have an idea price point wise so there's a lot that goes into being prepared for these types of things and i try to do my best what's your process for building a strong client base communication honesty and making sure that my people are comfortable and i think that i've tried to do that with every single person i, I and and as i've gotten more experience in this business i've realized that communication factor and that honesty factor is such a a, a pivotal point of that process is just letting people know like I don't want to I don't want to set this expectation super high and then come underneath it I, I want to be able to set a realistic expectation and if I can be able to do enough to exceed their expectations but uh, I, I think just not looking at a client as a paycheck not looking at them as like okay let me just get to the closing table and that's it actually caring for their situation, caring for the things that they're going through, their personal stuff. Everyone's got something that they have going on. So just trying to cater to them as much as possible. Are there any essential resources you share with your buyers to help inform them during their house hunting experience? Not really. Um, aside of the, the MLS, aside of the fact that, you know, um, resources where it comes down to like knowing the areas and knowing the towns that I'm going to, um, knowing if there is a shopping center close by, knowing if, you know, anything that I know about the location is going to be ideal. Things that are maybe silly and, and things like, is the garbage included in taxes? And like, that's something that people don't even realize or where's the bus stop for my kids and things like that I've asked for other clients that may not even be something that they think about, but it may have an effect on them after they buy the house. And they're like, oh man, I, I totally didn't even realize that the closest Home Depot is 45 minutes away or something. So just trying to over disclose as much as I possibly can to try to get them understanding what, you know, where they're at, what they're buying and, and the location that they're at as well. And does that sometimes take an evaluation of like who they are as people, what kind of lifestyle they have, family sort of stuff. And then from that, you can be like, okay, do you, you know, this might be something that interests you in this area, like, and, and therefore that aids you into. Yeah, definitely. Cause like after one or two showings, like some of the questions, like if it's a couple or whatever it is, um, I can, I can pick up on some of the questions that's being asked. So I can kind of almost figure out, all right, this is going to be maybe important to them, or that's going to be important to them. Or, you know, if they have kids, then that, that bus stop question, or if they don't have kids, like a daycare question, does the, uh, kindergarten offer full-time preschool or, or all these things that they may not even realize. Do you use social media or other sites to sell houses, buildings, or other properties? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, social media, I was just talking to Ben about this. Social media is is a key um, when it comes down to advertising properties. And luckily for me, social media has been one of my biggest tools in this business. It's been a way that I have gotten um, more clients than I can be thankful for. I mean, it's such a, a crucial tool um, for Facebook, for Instagram, primarily um, TikTok, you know. But but those those two those two databases and those two resources like you need to think about like if you post a video and it's in front of an extra three thousand people how likely is it that one of those people may have a friend or a parent or or someone who may be interested in that property um, and and want to reach out same thing on the buying side it's just um, it's it's uh, crucial for this business and especially for like the expansion of of what I'll be trying to do in twenty twenty four. Describe your process for keeping clients engaged when showing them several properties in a day. I try to keep it to a maximum of, I would say, maybe like six properties because um, everyone will say the same exact thing. Once you reach over six properties, you start to like combine them. So the first property is living room. You combine with the third property's bathroom and then with the fifth property's bedroom or something. So all of a sudden, all these things, it's like, wait a second, was that that one or was that this one? So when we show up to the property, I actually give them an MLS sheet. Along with, if we're doing that, then I'll give them a note sheet underneath it as well too. And I tell them like, make sure you take as many notes, make sure you take as many pictures, as many videos. And then if they don't like the property, I literally will just take the MLS sheet back for them and I'll throw it out right away. Just so it's like, just try to erase this from your memory as best as you can. Because um, it's it's tough. For me, it's, it's tough. Like when I'm on multiple appointments and then I go to a listing appointment and it's like, wait a second, what town am I in? I, I need to make sure that like, I'm talking about the right thing here and there. So it's just a matter of just staying prepared as you possibly can. And not to overextend this, but on that same thing, like buyer fatigue, like do you come across people like, okay, you've come across your seventh listing and now you're like, all right, like let's move. Like, you know, you, now you start to overlook some of the things that you liked before because you've just seen so many things and now you're like. Yeah, and like also buyer fatigue becomes a thing when, when it was a lot of like letdowns. So like if like there was like four, like absolutely not, like this is nothing what I thought it was gonna look like. I hate the location. I the pictures don't don't do the house any justice. Um and then by the time they get to that fifth house, they're already defeated to where they're like, we're not gonna even like this. So like let's just go in. And you can just tell like the overall like morale is just down. So trying to keep them up and just to be like, hey, listen, we could reschedule these. We can come back to these. We could circle back around. I don't like doing showings, and especially during the winter, it's tough, like after it's starting to get a little bit dark because then you really can't get an idea of driving up to the neighborhood or pulling up to whatever the house is. You're kind of just going in there not knowing what the outside is even looking like. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, the, that's that's a good point because that really does become a thing. Most importantly, once you see a bunch of places that you were very excited for and they all let you down. Are there any specific questions you ask clients to make sure you exceed their needs or preferences in a new home? Um, yeah, I go over a buyer questionnaire with them. I make sure that um, I have as good of an understanding of what they're looking for. I also tell them the same thing that I say after we see about one to three houses, I'll get a much better idea of what it is that you are looking for. So then this way, uh, when I am attached to that search, I'm going to be able to send you these properties that I do think are going to be a better fit. Uh, and then I'll, I'll give them my opinion after a while. So if I know that they absolutely 100% need a basement in their house. And then we've been let down a few times. And then maybe after a couple of weeks, there's a house that comes on that doesn't have a basement. And they are like, hey, we want to go see this. I'll go show them the property, but I'll also remind them like, listen, 
from our first day, like needing a basement was like a necessity. You did not want to have a house that didn't have a basement. This does not have a basement. Are you sure you're okay? And nine times out of 10, they're like, you're absolutely right. Like we don't want to settle for anything less. So as far as their expectations, I know what it is that they're looking for after a certain point. And I want to make sure that they're getting what it is that they're looking for. And they're not just trying to settle. And the next thing you know, they're buying something that essentially that they're not going to really, you know, love long-term. Tell me about your experience creating virtual or video tours to show a property to remote buyers. This used to be a thing on the, again, COVID era, uh, but the virtual tours and the uh, uh, the videos for remote buyers aren't as big of a thing as they were before. Um, if I, I work with some out of, out of town buyers or out of state buyers, like if they're from New York, I worked with one buyer that was actually moving from California, worked with one buyer that was moving from Texas. Um, so it was a lot of FaceTimes, a lot of videos. And literally what I learned was, is that I would just send them a, a probably a straight up eight to 10 minute video because I didn't want to like speed through the house. I would start at the front door and I would just walk very, very slowly around everything, anything that I, I noted that I could see. Um, I would try to like to call out in the video and then send it to them and then try to follow that up with a FaceTime call if they had any questions or additional pictures and stuff. It's very, very difficult to buy a house virtually. I don't recommend it. Uh, I don't prefer it and I don't like it for my buyers. So if I could avoid that, by all means, I would, I would definitely say to try to go to a house before you buy it. What's your process for inspecting a property? Are there any questions you prepare for the owner? My process of getting ready is that I, again, will print out the seller's disclosure. So I already have everything that the seller was disclosing prior to going to the inspections. I have a phone call with my buyers the night before, and I also send them a video because I tell them that tomorrow on inspection day, it's a very, very stressful day. I think I actually did the videos here with you, Ben. I say to them, it's a very stressful day. You literally hired somebody to go in there and pick apart your house. And that's that's what their job is. Um, but it's very stressful when you're buying a home and this guy is coming in and saying, hey, just so you know, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Um, I just tell them that it's going to be a stressful day. I prepare them that way. I say, hey, um, bring a notepad, uh, bring a measuring tape because this is your time to measure things as well too. Have this be your day of really learning about your house Anything that's major that comes up, we're going to address one way or another. We'll figure it out. But just know that it becomes a little bit overwhelming when someone's telling you everything that's wrong with this house. Do you have a list of referrals? Simple answer, yes. And I've modified that list over the years of the people that I've worked with that I'm almost stingy, I guess is a good word, as far as the referrals that I send out at this point. Um, just because I want to make sure that if I'm referring somebody, I want them to do right by the people that I am am working with. So over the years, I've, I've, I've changed it around a little bit. I've condensed it. I've expanded it in different areas. But yes, I have a list that it's always going to be changing. Corey, the people want to know how often and when are you available? I actually, funny enough, I do get this question asked uh, quite often. Um, and, I, and I say the same thing every single time. I am in a business that... I need to be available at all times. I have a work-life balance, but I also know too that if there's something important that a buyer or a seller is looking for, or just in general, like these transactions, like they don't have a time frame. Like it's not a nine to five. So it's not to where they start at nine and they clock out at five and I don't hear from them. It's actually the opposite because a lot of the times when people are working, um, and then they get off of work, then all these questions start circulating. Long, long, long story short, I'm always available. If someone texts me at six o'clock in the morning and I'm not through my routine yet or or I didn't get, you know, my daughters ready in the morning and breakfast made, 
Will I maybe respond back after an hour and a half? Sure, but I promise you that I will answer your questions. We'll get everything figured out. Unless, obviously, if the house is burning down or something, I'm going to be there and, and, I'll, and I'll drop everything. But for the most part, all of my clients respect my home life and my personal life, which I really, really do appreciate. Um, and I also know, too, that I'm in a position where I have to be as readily accessible as possible. How many clients are you currently representing? This is a tough one because my MLS auto emails, I probably have like 35 buyers right now. Out of those 35, not every single one is actively looking. There's some that are kind of looking, you know, maybe once every six months. There's some that are just wanting to know what the area is is like. So if I, if I meet somebody, they're like, hey, I want to buy a house in a year. I'll typically set them up on a search just so they can see what kind of what the movement is like in that area over the course of the next 12 months. Um, so actively looking buyers, probably about anywhere from maybe like 14 to 15. Um, and then a lot of people that are just kind of just getting an idea of the market itself and getting ready to jump in eventually. Selling wise too, same thing, probably have maybe six to eight homes that are going to be getting listed over the next three months. It's always changing. It's not something to where I'm spreading myself too thin. It's, it's always where it's calculated to where I don't want to ever overwhelm myself. Has anything ever gone wrong in a deal and how did you handle it? I could do an entire podcast just on that question. Every deal, something quote unquote goes wrong just because when you're looking at a contract and everything is always black and white, there's a gray area of real estate. And honestly, a real estate transaction is mainly operating in that gray area. After you guys agree on the price point, after you agree on the terms, everything else becomes the gray area that you're trying to make sure that those terms and that price point and that contract can still go through while everything else has to be done. So plenty of stuff has gone wrong on my buying side. I try to do the right thing. Number one, I try to give them the best possible advice in that situation. Um, I am not a, a pushy sales pitchy type of agent. So if something is going wrong and, and my, my buyers are on the, uh, uh, on the short end of it, normally when it comes down to inspections or something, um, I'm going to tell them like, listen, I agree with you on all of this. I may give my opinion that, you know, uh, this, you know, we could be a little bit more flexible on this side. Same thing on the selling side. I'm going to give my honest opinion and I'm going to always have their best interests in mind when we're having those types of conversations. So a lot of the times too, emotions run crazy when you're going through a transaction. So I understand that, you know, you kind of turn on your therapist switch a little bit just to be able to say, hey, listen, I get it. There's a lot that's going on here. So let's kind of work through that just so we don't make any irrational decisions that are then going to set us back. How will you help me prepare my home to sell? The preparation portion of of the home selling process is always important because decluttering, going through the listing presentation, going through your your entire home room by room. Typically, what I do is is I take my phone with me. I I ask the permission from the sellers. I say, is it okay that I could take pictures? Because what I'll do is I'm gonna get back to my house and I'm going to actually send you a very very detailed uh, email broken down to let you know what you need to do for each room. I'll be there to help. If there's staging that's going to be involved, which typically there is, staging happens anywhere from one to three days before pictures. Um, the decluttering uh, to that question before as far as the referral list, there's a list of people that if you need work as far as plumbing work, electrical work, painting is always going to be a big one. Little things like the grout in bathrooms and the grout in the kitchens, a deep clean of the house prior to it. So there's a checklist to go through just to make sure that, as I've said before, that that first impression of your home is going to be received the best way. So that preparation process is a, is a very, very big deal. Um, sometimes we have... 
two months, sometimes we have two weeks, sometimes we have a year to prepare a home. So depending on that time frame is going to be depending on what type of plan we're going to put in place to make sure that the home is ready to go on the, uh, the listing day. How quickly can you arrange for me to view a home? As quick as your availability, my availability, and the availability of the seller. Um, a lot of the times people don't realize that just because a home's on the market, there's a process that goes through to where you have to request the showing. So if I request the showing for today at 12, but they're not available until today at 4, but you're not available till today at 4, so now we have three different schedules. As soon as those things become aligned, then we can obviously set up a showing. Have you completed many foreclosure or short sale transactions? Um, no, I have completed a few foreclosures and short sales. Um, the very bad joke is that a short sale is not short because the process of it is extremely long. Um, they're tough. I mean, I'm not going to go, go around it. Would I ever shy away from foreclosures or short sales? No, absolutely not. If my buyer wants to check it out. I'll be more than happy to show them, but I'm at least at a point now to where I'm knowledgeable enough to explain to them, Hey, just so you know, here's what to expect. Here's how it is. Sometimes with, with foreclosures or short sales, they don't even have it to where you're directly talking with an agent on the listing side. You're literally just sending over documents to either a bank or wherever these, these offers are being submitted to. Um, and at the end of the day, price point wise, terms wise, what type of uh, loans are we coming in with? So um, there's a whole process that goes along with it. So I have completed a couple foreclosures and short sales, and I'm at least at a point to where I can let them know a little bit more information these days. How do you help buyers stand out? I wanted to end on this question because this is a, a perfect transition to kind of what I'll talk about a little bit next week. But I wish that there was a little bit more magic that I could provide to help buyers stand out. What I try to do and what, and what I feel like I, I do an okay job at is that my communication with the selling agent is is always going to be extremely important. So how am, am I presenting you guys from day one of a showing? That's going to be very important. Um, number two is just allowing this listing agent to know all of the strengths that we have in our offer, um, whether it's the price point, whether it's the terms, whether we're waiving appraisal, whether it's the inspections, the flexibility to close, all of these things that, that are um, hopefully going to have us stand out from these other offers. Um, at the end of the day, when a final and best is called on a property, meaning that everyone who is interested in it needs to have their offer, their highest, their best offer, their final offer um, presented by a certain date and time. When that happens, we do the best that we can to organize everything, to submit everything, to communicate that with the agent, to let them know, hey, if, if there's anything else that we can possibly do, please let us know. All of that communication is great. But then at the end of the day, and I, I, I mean this sincerely because those phone calls to these buyers are the worst phone calls that I, I make when we don't get an offer accepted. We can't do anything more than what we can do, if that makes any sense. I know it sounds stupid, but whatever your, your max budget is, whatever you're most comfortable submitting, um, whatever you can and can't do on that offer, unfortunately, that's all that we can present. And I'm going to present it the best possible way that I can. Um, if we're a mortgaged buyer going up against a cash buyer, it's just tough. It's it's tough to to be in that that competitive field, especially if we're up against 20 offers, 30 offers, whatever the case may be. So 
in, in helping a buyer stand out, I think that it's just the communication with the listing agent at the end of the day. And I think it's just trying to get them to understand that we are going to try to make this as easy as a transaction as possible. We're going to try to do whatever we can possibly do to make this from start to finish be uh, successful for both sides. Um, but at the end of the day, in in this, this market, in this position that I'm in, um, I can only do so much, you know, and, and that, that's not like a cop out. That's just the reality of the real estate business and the real estate world is that there's a lot of people that are fighting for their clients. I try to do my best to fight for my people um, the best that I possibly can. And I'll do whatever I can do to make them know that you should go with this offer. Um, I respect it if, if there's another higher one, if, if, if it's a money thing that you're looking at, if it's a terms that we can't, you know, um, exactly match, but trying my best to fight for them to be able to be chosen is always uh something that I try again to do my best with. So 21 questions. Um, Ben, thank you so much. You're the man. I really appreciate you. Um, I hope that, you know, there was some good information here that whether you're buying, whether you're selling 2024 is starting off to be a good year. There's a lot of clients that I'm talking to right now that are looking to hop into this market as soon as possible. A lot of sellers that going into that February, March time, you're going to see more listings and stuff coming on. So I figured that this was a good uh, a good timing for a podcast like this, just to be able to see these questions that I've been asked before. Um, I know that people probably ha have these questions in their mind. Maybe some of them don't ask me. So um, a, a lot of good information on this one. Uh, next week and then the week to follow, there's an agent that I'm trying to get on that is a, a, a very successful agent in the Somerset County, uh, Hunterdon County area as well, too. So it'll be cool to get different agents on. If anyone wants to hop on as far as being an agent in this business, by all means, I'm always open for a conversation. I think that it's it's cool to connect with different people to see, you know, how they handle things. And even, even like some of these questions, you know, everyone can be a little bit different as far as how they may answer these questions. I'm sure for all the agents that I know, which are awesome agents, it'll be pretty, pretty similar because I know everyone cares a lot about everyone who they work with. So thank you guys as always. Remember to subscribe. Um, like, comment, do all that good stuff. Reach out with any questions. And uh, yeah, 2024, just like we talked about, Ben, a lot more content, uh, a lot more creativity and, and just um, keeping, um, keeping this going in, into uh, the remainder of this year. So I'm excited. Appreciate you guys. Ben, thanks again, man.